BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Oh, the horn is going. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's the same place they play football. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the fucking play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. You're the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, Alabama completely dismantled Tennessee on Saturday, 49-10. to 10. Is it fair that eight of 18 of their returning starters missed the game? Absolutely, man. It's Tennessee Volunteers, man. I hate that damn Rocky Top song. Yeah, I completely, uh, I completely agree with that. You know, this is big boy football in the SEC, and you know, as cliched as it sounds, you know, sometimes your best ability is your availability. And uh, if they have the that many guys, you know, dinged up, I mean, you know, never root for injury or anything like that. But part of competing and sustaining, you know, the competitive advantage is being able to field uh, field a roster and and having the depth, right, to prevent uh, to rotate and prevent injury through the course of the season and, uh, you know, obviously to, uh, to stave off, um, you know, collapse when you do have injury strikes. So, yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, it wasn't sort of their best against our best, but, you know, we brought who we brought and they brought who they brought and ours were better than theirs. No, absolutely. And I, w- I was kidding about the Rocky Top song kind of just a tiny bit because I, I really can't stand the song. But in all seriousness, as you mentioned this, man, if, if we had that many guys down, would it change the complexity of this game as, as you and I talked about this weekend? Of course it would. You know, if we had eight guys out of our starting lineup, would it affect the team that we would field? Yes. I will say, would it affect our team as much as other teams? No. And I so I think it doesn't hurt for a minute to talk about that, you know, how many times are we watching football games and 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 we don't see Alabama guys laying on the ground? And we've talked about this over the past few years. Um, you know, it's almost like they're, they're robots. I mean, you know, I mean that, in a, I mean that in a complimentary sure. way to the program is, you know, you and I remember 10 years ago during that lean decade, you know, guys would drop like flies in a football game and we, we'd have, we'd have games where three or four guys would go down, you know, in a game. Um, and it was very, 
it was very normal to have, you know, to lose a few starters during the season. But last year's team was very blessed to be relatively healthy uh, when they won the title. And in the past few years during this run, um, they've been very, very fortunate. And it just speaks to how uh, how much of a fine-tuned machine this program is. Yeah, absolutely. And it speaks to the recruiting machine, right? And bringing in, you know, bringing in the players so that you can rotate, so that, uh, you know, so that you can sustain. And, and like you said, we've definitely had some lean years, uh, you know, fighting through, uh, fighting through injuries and fighting through attrition. So uh, I think it's, it's part of, it, it's part of the process. It's part of the overall uh, is, is to be able to have the depth and, and the readiness of the players uh, to compete. You know, you and I said, and, and, you know, kind of saying it as a joke, but there's a reality to it that, you know, losing 18 players, would that have impacted us? Yes, absolutely. You know, we kidded, if you let me pick the eight guys, it still would have, you know, out of the two deep, it still would have, uh, it still would have impacted us. And so uh, the fact that, you know, you know, I'll give them a little tip of the the cap to that, but, you know, part of that is program building, not just fielding a team on Saturday, but it's program building. And that's something that Saban has definitely proven to be a master at, right? No, true. And, and, and I'm also speaking not only just the recruiting, but I guess what I meant by that is when I, when I call these guys machines in a, in a complimentary way is it goes to everything Saban has done. It goes to the, their diets, it goes to how he how he works them in the offseason. It goes to how they're tracking how many plays they do in every single practice. And and they're they're adding up their reps and they're they're monitoring their reps and they're they're gauging, you know, they, they do they do all this extensive testing in the offseason on every aspect of their body. So it's like a computer program. So they whenever they do have something go off in a practice it's almost like a fire alarm, right? In somebody's house. Like they've, they've done all this testing on all these players' body regimens during the off season that if something's off a little bit, kind of like our oil light coming on our car, they can get ahead of it well before an injury can occur, I guess is what I was getting at. Is like right. they do all this preventive preventative maintenance on their on their athletes all season, or excuse me, all 12 months out of the year that um, I think that speaks a lot to how these guys stay so healthy. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't remove the risk uh, completely. You never remove it completely. But, uh, you know, you can manage it down. And that's something that, uh, that Saban, uh, with his approach, has, has, uh, has worked very hard to do. Why don't we talk, take a look at offense? Uh, you know, Alabama racked up 49 points against the Volunteers. Uh, what jumped out to you? You know, I, wanna, I think one of the first things that, that we, you know, that, that really caught my eye was just was just the multifaceted plays within the plays, and you know we we've we've seen this a lot here with Lane Kiffin, but it just seems I, I like how he is layering in more complexity uh, to the offensive play calling as the season progresses, and so there's numerous plays where you have three different plays within the play that the defense has to 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 account for, and it really stretches the defense, and so. You know, there was, you know, on, on Jalen Hurts' uh, big uh, scramble um, early in the game that kind of got the offense going, you know, you and I saw where they had run several plays um, offsetting each other, you know, literally flip-flopping a play from, from the right to the left. And the action was, you know, we're going we're gonna to fake a screen out here wide with our two wide set on the right. 
We are going to, you know, we're going to fake to our running back here as a counter trap, and then we're going to motion the quarterback. And they did the same exact motion all three or four times in a row, just running different directions. And with those young linebackers due to injury, you know, I think it really, I really, it really messed them up. Yeah, it really did. And, you know, and we would have the the, the tight end, you know, to the – and we, like you said, we'd flip it. But the tight end to the left side of the formation, the left side of the formation, we'd have, you know, a screen set up, and then we'd kind of fake the, the handoff. And so everyone's reading their keys, right? And so you've got the defense watching for the screen. You've got sort of the interior defense watching for the run. You know, their linebackers followed – this is this is what I didn't understand. Their linebackers followed um, – you know, the strong formation. And so, you know, with Howard lined up, uh, you know, all, you know, offset sort of to the left, uh, to the left, you know, the, their linebackers went both sort of north of the center and then Howard would go in motion and they wouldn't follow them. They would, they would, it's like they were stuck there. And all of, all of sort of the momentum of the defense was to the left and Jalen would keep the ball and run to the right and did that time and time again there. I think, I think we switched it up and, and ran it to the ran it to the other way, um, but you know consistently, you know we would do that. And like you said, that's a play within a play. That's three looks that the that the defense is sort of keying off of. Uh, you know, take our Darius's long run. That was a reverse on a jet sweep. How many times have we run the jet sweep? Uh, and how many times have we run the reverse of it off of it? Well, once, right? And it goes for a twenty-nine yard. Uh, touchdown. And so those are the types of things we build up tendencies, we build up tendencies. And all the times you were saying, oh, I don't like this play, you know, we were building up to, to run a reverse off of it. And so um, I like that. I like that sort of that mind game in the play calling. And uh, and we saw a lot of that on Saturday. And we also saw a lot of just lining up and, and sort of out-athleting them. Oh, sure. But now when you talk about setting up plays, I haven't seen Lane Kiffin do it to the extent that he did in this game. So when I said building up to it, I, I really I really think the the layering in um, of, of running the same play several times in several different ways because you have so many different looks within the play, I haven't noticed him doing that as much this season as he did in this game. And and as you mentioned, there was a consistent there was a there was a a very conscious deliberate effort uh, to expose uh, their formation. And so as they were, you know, as Gary Danielson was saying on the telecast, they were running a base nickel in this ball game uh, due to due to injuries at linebacker. And as the listeners know, that's kind of our base is a nickel. And so when you only have two linebackers in the game and they're both inexperienced linebackers and one of them's having to call the the formations for the front seven, you know, it, it it definitely it definitely puts a strain on their defense, and it seems like we 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 saw it in tape, and we exploited it early, and Tennessee didn't adjust. Right. They didn't try to come in a dime. They didn't try to bring another backup linebacker in and and try to run a four three four. They they didn't try to do a six man line front. I mean, the biggest thing that shocked me in this is they did not make any adjustments to that at all. We just we just finally stopped doing it because we didn't need the points anymore, but they didn't make any adjustments throughout the whole game on that. No, and that and that's something that was that was almost flummoxing, right? It's if if you're going to keep giving us this, 
then like, what's the trick, right? You, you know, are you that bad at, at sort of recognition or that sort of depleted at, at players? And, you know, maybe it's a little bit of both, but uh, you know, but we said, you know, this is money on the table. If they're going to keep giving us this, then, then we're going to keep, we're going to keep taking advantage of that. And, you know, you talk about not seeing so much of sort of that type of scheming, uh, you know, from Kiffin this season. I, 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 you know, I sort of searched my brain. Is, is there a reason Kiffin would want to demonstrate that type of something against, you know, guys like Tennessee? Oh, absolutely. But also, obviously, because of obviously because of his ties. Right. Right. But of I, course. Right. But, but I also think that there is a comfort, an increasing comfort level with his quarterback. Oh, yeah. And and also it also helps that you have a senior leader in our Darius Stewart back in the game as well. Right. And so I think all of those factors played in. But I am really surprised that Tennessee just did nothing to 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 really they did nothing to try to confuse a freshman quarterback, and I was kind of amazed at that. Um, what what else jumped out at you from the offensive side of the ball? You know, I think there were, you know, maybe maybe a couple of things that uh, that jumped out. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to go, you know, Bo Scarborough. Uh, I was surprised that he started the game. Uh, I really was. He was the first running back in uh, later in the game when he broke. Uh, you know, that 85-yarder for a touchdown down the sideline. You know, there were a couple of things that just, you know, came to mind is, is that was sort of executing. You know, his size and speed running down the sideline, he, he literally was outrunning cornerbacks. And it was like watching a freak show happen before your eyes because he's so big, um, he should not be bigger than, you know, cornerbacks should be some of the fastest guys on, on the roster. They're not always as big, but they should be some of the fastest guys. And he was just just outstriding them, just outrunning them, and and that was that was pretty something. Um, and then I just enjoyed almost the called shot that Saban had uh, earlier in the week. He he talked about you know Bo's going to make uh, an impact before the season is out, and you know who knew just a couple of days later that uh, that he was going to just really show out in the way that he did. I, I thought that was pretty impressive. That jumped out to me. Well, you know, it's it's interesting that Bo did start the game, and and we talked about the fact that was that that you know effort they were going to make to be physical and to right. and to run at this team, and and so while I agree with you know uh, what you said about about you know the the big run that he had, if you go back and was to look at the stats, you'd be shocked that he only had five carries and Damian Harris had fourteen carries, right? And right. so that 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 surprised me that. Um, that while he had his best game as an Alabama running back, he only had five carries on the game. Yeah, he did. And, 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 you know, Jacob, who it's almost like pick a hat over these guys, you know, almost any of them could be, could be, you know, a number one starter for, uh, you know, for someone else. And, you know, Jacobs looked very, very good, but he only got a limited number of carries too. And so he, he wasn't, uh, you know, featured so much. I, I wonder, and, and we talked about sort of the look that Tennessee was giving us and, and us, you know, exploiting that uh, to the extent that they continued to line it up. I wonder if – and a couple of weeks ago we talked about, you know, we didn't like the way, um, you know, especially you were vocal and not liking the way we were using Hurts and, and maybe giving him too much of a workload. I don't think that we gave him too much of a workload Saturday 
but but maybe we gave him more carries than he would have gotten as a function of Tennessee saying run that play again. Almost Tennessee was asking us to run it again, and and he and he got almost more and more comfortable running it. You know, to the point that he broke a long run, and and he was outrunning corners and safeties that had an angle on him, and he just seemed to be gliding. But he was outrunning. You know, we, we even paused and rewound it and almost had like a little comedy show with one guy looked like he was just hoofing, hoofing, and Jalen was just kind of la-ti-da running, but but he was outrunning the guy and scored a long touchdown. So, you know, talk to me about how we use Jalen. Do you think we use him too much, just right? Do you think, you know, would he maybe have gotten less carries? What do you think about that? Well, I think for me, 12 carries is too much. Okay. Um, I would prefer the six to eight carries in a typical game. Um, but I think that that was more a factor of the defensive ends were were keying on the running backs so much and were crashing down and were not keeping containment that, you know, it'd be nice to know how many of those 12 carries he just said, well, I've got to take this because there's 15 yards around the corner here that I can get. And so it's very it's very safe to assume that there are three or four of those carries that were designed to go to the running back. but he felt comfortable taking it upon himself because the defensive ends were crashing into the backfield. Yeah, and that's fair, too. He's got the read there, and so he's got to read it right. And so we're going to call this play that potentially has multiple options. Well, he's going to keep it if it's there. Um, And and Tennessee kept leaving it there. So, you know, you might look at the raw number, uh, you know, 12 with the running quarterback. Eh, I don't know. That's kind of maybe right at where I'm comfortable. If that's more than you're comfortable with, I'm fine with that. But, you know, a little bit of that is it's 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 almost not good stewardship by the offense not to run it because they're just giving it to you on a platter. No, absolutely. You know, going back to that uh, Bo Scarborough thing real quick, it is funny to me that he had the first uh, – he had the first two carries, you know, for a running back on the, on the day, and then he still just finished with those five carries. Right. And so that – that is that is a little mind boggling how how you start the game with two carries and uh, you only finish with five on the day. I think Jacobs, I think Jacobs, they were just getting him some work just to make sure he was good. Sure. I think they were just going to run him four or five times and then they were just going to shut him down. And I'm fine with that, right? Because that's what we did with Damian against uh, Kentucky. Is you know we're going to give you a couple carries. Uh, you know, part of it a little sentimentality because it's Kentucky, and part of it is a little bit, you know, we will kind of keep you the speed of the game. Uh, but, you know, we're not going to take advantage of the situation, which is what we just talked about in the intro with Tennessee, right? We didn't have to sort of run someone into the ground. Uh, and, and so, you know, to think that we may have done the same thing with Jacobs, I think, you know, it's the right decision. Uh, so I don't have a problem uh, with that at all. Let me let me let me ask you one let me ask you one sure. thing that I that I did see which was interesting to me somebody uh, somebody took the time to break down Jalen Hurts um, on his passing um, as it relates to passes that were completed more than one yard past the line of scrimmage which I found funny for all the plays that you know happens sure. behind sure. the line of scrimmage who I can't stand so he finished sixteen of twenty six on the day. And the 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 analysis was, um, if you take out passes behind the line of scrimmage, he was six of sixteen. Okay. And so he was six of sixteen on those passes, and the ones behind the line of scrimmage, he was ten of ten. So this is not to pick Jalen apart. 
I just found it interesting that they were because even the announcers during the during the game, as as you know, you and I were watching, were were showing the breakdown of the nine quadrants on the field, and they were saying, you know, they don't have to go long with him because they don't have to, and so I do think it's great with this young quarterback who is not quite there with his reads and 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 not quite there with some of his underthrows, etc. It's nice that. How can I say this? We are so multifaceted with our with our host of personnel that you can have a okay. Ten years ago, if you and I would have said, if I'd have said to you, "Here's the stat line for the quarterback passing: he was 16 of 26 for 143 yards, no touchdowns, and one pick," and then I'd have said, "David, I want you to guess the final score." I didn't tell you the rushing yards; I just right. told you that part. You'd have never guessed that we kicked the shit out of Tennessee. No, no, you wouldn't have. I mean, that's a you know, that's kind of back in the day, you know, a young Jay Barker, you know, stat line, if you will. Um, you know, you don't put five, you know, you don't put up five hundred and ninety-four yards and only, you know, 160 some odd of that, you know, be passing yards. That just doesn't happen. Uh, especially in today's game. Uh, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, maybe, because it was the cloud of dust kind of football. That doesn't happen today, except for it did Saturday. Uh, and and there's a little bit of, you know, we've talked about Jalen. He needs to develop as a passer. I think we all know that. And there's a little bit of, but he doesn't have to do that today. <laughs> and on Saturday, it's like, we don't have to do this today. That's my and, point. And is that they, that's, that's my point, is that they killed a big rival game on their series, right? One of the top two rivalry teams that we play. They manhandled them, and their quarterback didn't have to throw the ball really past the line of scrimmage much. Right. That's just that's just huge for this team. No, it really is. And 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 so, what do you think about you know having that type of success running the ball with uh, Lester Cotton getting his first start at the uh, at the right tackle spot in for uh, a dinged up uh, Alphonse? You know, as as Coach Saban said, you know, he told the reporters a week or so ago at, at one of those press conferences before the game. You know, you, you, I don't want to tell you stories about when I played football, and and how things were kind of done then. And so, I, I didn't get to see the concussion, you know, play that 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 caused this with Taylor. Um, I, you know, I would not have, I would have preferred Lester Cotton not to not to have a big, you know, I would have preferred not to have to rely on him this heavily against Tennessee at Tennessee. Um, but he didn't do anything that was blatant like, wow, you know, he really blew that play. And so yeah. I didn't focus on him as much as I probably should have given the fact that he played the whole game. Um, and so depending on who they run out there against Texas a and I'll have to do that. Um, but obviously he afforded himself well because I don't think he gave up any big um, I don't think he gave up any big seams on pass protection, and I think he kind of held his own against the run. No, if we want to be sort of ironic about, you know, maybe an offensive lineman who struggled just a little bit, we'd probably have to go to the the sort of the best of the bunch, right? Uh, Cam Robinson uh, struggled with Barnett. He sort of had his weekly, uh, you know, false start. And, uh, you know, there were a couple times that uh, that he struggled. And, you know, Barnett ended up, you know, ca causing a fumble and having uh, – having an interception. You can't blame all of that on Cam, but, uh, you know. He was definitely having trouble handling Barnett. Uh, he was definitely having trouble handling Barnett's speed. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. 
what else on offense? Anything else on offense? I mean, there's obviously a lot of points, a lot of yards, a lot of good times. Uh, but anything else jump out at you or you want to go mini game ball? Well, there, there's tons of stuff that we could still sure. go over. But I think one thing I do want to mention is, is that, you know, as we talked about after the game, you know, we scored 49 points and we had two big turnovers in this ball game, you know, plays that could have really changed, further changed the outcome of this game. Yep. And so, you know, having that interception right there at the end of the first half, um, you know, as we're going in to put points on the board, just once again, looking at the outcome of this game and you look at how how we had the two turnovers that we had and um, it just kind of makes you say, wow, you know, we, we, we still put up 600 yards on this team and we still had a couple key turnovers. Yeah, and that's a good point, right? Both of the turnovers, uh, you know, the interception and, and <clears throat> the fumble were right there at, um, uh, you know, could could have been points on the board. And, and I guess I guess points the other way, right? Because Tennessee did uh, they got the, they got the fumble and they scored. And so if we had held that ball and then we had put points on the board, you know that could have been you know a significant shift. You know, add add three to add three or seven to forty nine and take away seven from ten. You know, that even starts to look better, right? No, absolutely, absolutely. Well, give me give me your uh, give me your mini game ball so I don't take yours. Who who is yours? Yeah, I, I'm going to go. Um, you know, this guy just doesn't get enough credit, it just seems like. But I'm going Jonah Williams. He is just just uber impressive just every week. And the less you hear his name, the more that you know, the more impressive he really has been as a as a result of that. And, you know, there are a couple of guys that uh you know that you that you could go with for kind of, you know, the mini game ball. But as often as we ran to the right, you know, that seemed to be, you know, sort of the strategy. And we run to the right a lot, especially with, with Jalen. Uh, as successful as we were Saturday, as successful as we've been all season, uh, he's just out there performing. He's just out there doing work. And uh, so tip, tip of the cap, uh, mini, my mini game ball to uh, Jonah Williams. All right. Well, we didn't get to talk about this on, on, uh, on before we flipped the field here, but there's, there's, you know, we could cover 20 different things every, every single show, offense and defense. And, you know, I'm going to try to fit into your, your little square peg on your, your mini game ball and, I'm going to give this one to to Miller Forstall. And so obviously he has shown something in practice. You know, this week they're they're now, you know, working him with the tight ends as opposed to the wide receivers. And so while he is under in stature at, you know, 220 pounds wet, he has obviously done something to impress the coaches because this is the second week in a, a row that we have noticed him getting significant minutes with OJ when they are in a two tight end set, which they don't run a lot. Uh, it's normally OJ and three wideouts. But when when tight ends were in there in this game, um, he seemed to be in there more than Hale was. Nothing against Hale. But once again, you know, we're broadening the experience. I mean, you know, how many seasons would we have gone, David, was saying we've played four tight ends? Right. So technically, right, we've had four tight ends in the game at different moments so far out of seven football games, and uh, the true freshman has obviously done something to impress. Yeah, he really is, and you start to wonder, you know, and, and we're not speculating because we just don't know, but you start to wonder, and, you know, has Hale been sort of dinged up in a practice? Because we were literally asking, where is he? And, uh, you know, if he got hurt in a game and so the media is going to ask about him or, you know, something like that, or if you're out for the season – you know, clearly, you know, Saban would disclose that. But if he just got a little dinged up and and kind of no one sort of knew about it, then 
he's not going to say it. And so, again, I'm not speculating that, but but you start to fish for answers. And those are the starts, you know, those are the things that kind of, you know, turn up. You know, Miller's very versatile. He, you know, up through his junior year, you know, he was a quarterback in high school. So he's, he's quite an athlete. And so you think about using him more in sort of that H role capacity. You know, he's very athletic and maybe he brings a lot to that. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that unfolds. Uh, because I agree, he's he is getting, you know, I gave him the mini gimbal last week for his first catch. And, and, uh, and then this week, he just seems his role seems to expand and expand. So that's going to be fun to see and, and kind of see how Hale kind of shakes out as, as a function of that because Hale's only a sophomore. So, um, you know, we've got, we're going to have a nice little run here of, of some, some young, quality, talented tight ends. They're going to come back in years to come with a lot of experience. So I think that's a good call. I think he played, I think he played very well. Uh, talk to me about defense. What stands out to you on defense? You know, first of all, man, we were awesome on third down getting off the field. Saban was very pissed off after the Arkansas game and and uh, how things kind of went at the end of the game. And so um, he 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 kept the he kept the secondary out there. You know, uh, they 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 didn't they didn't sub until very late. And so I found it interesting how long the starters stayed out there. I uh, don't know if there's a correlation with Arkansas, but I think possibly so. Um, and so this game, they kind of responded with, you know, only only giving up, you know, they were three of Tennessee was three of sixteen on third down conversions, and so obviously that's a that's a formula for success. Um, you know, I guess the first thing that jumped out to me is the continued trust in in Hootie Jones. Um, you know, we sat there in the Ole Miss game after Jonathan Allen's interception and Jonathan Allen's running down the field and. Hootie's really not paying attention. He's got his hands up. He's celebrating. And, you know, Ronnie Harrison is yelling at him from behind saying, hey, wide receiver's coming up. Wide receiver's coming up. And he he was clueless. He had no idea yeah, where, what right. was going on. And, and since that game, he's really turned a corner. And, and so, once again, kind of like we just said with Miller, I mean, you know, we've had years past where – we would we would bring the dime on the field and you and I would start sweating because as soon as yeah. we'd bring the six DB in, it's like, oh, I know who they're going to pick on. They're going to pick on this guy in the slot. Well, now we're bringing in Hootie and we're not putting him at the line of scrimmage. We're not setting him up for failure. We're putting him in the two deep with either Eddie or Ronnie. We're alternating Ronnie in the box or, or, or Ronnie on the slot or Eddie on the slot or Eddie in the box. And so we're letting Hootie do the safe stuff, but he's getting more and more playing time. And um, I I love the look that we're giving when we come in the dime, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I do too. And I like the comfort, you know, that <clears throat> that we have to be able to do that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of versatility that, that you just spoke to, right? That when we went to a dime, we're able to sort of move people around into different roles. Uh, to, to enable, you know, Hootie to play, you know, more of a, a you know, more of a two deep sort of free safety. Uh, and, and, and that's good, right? Because that gets him on the field. That gets him, you know, starting to be comfortable. You're only going to be comfortable to, you know, to learn the first role when you're given the opportunity, you're only going to be able to expand to a second role when you feel comfortable with the first role. And so getting him on the field will allow him to, you know, as the season progresses and, 
you know, you know, next year even to, to become more versatile and have, have an expanded opportunity. So getting them on the field is, is critical. You know, I think when we compare back to the Arkansas game and something that, that, that you made a very good, you know, point and observation of, you know, we were really in, you know, we call it the saving base, you know, with, with the nickel, but we were in, uh, we spent a lot of game in more like a real base, uh, you know, with four DBs. And so the fact that this week we were more comfortable you know, going to nickel and dime, I think really helped, you, you know, I, I read in articles like it was a miracle that, you know, I'm, and I'm exaggerating only just a little bit, you know, they were talking about just how amazing it was that the defense improved, you know, this week to last week. And and I just got a kick out of that. I was like, well, no, it's, it's not amazing. It's, it's, you know, we're running our nickel, which is our true base. It's what our, you know, defense, it's what our secondary you know, it's their second nature, right? And and we let them do that again. And then we actually went to more dime as opposed to forcing them to play, you know, four DBs when they're when they're kind of being shredded. Um we we uh, made we made Tennessee adjust instead of us adjusting to Arkansas, right? Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. And and you know, it's almost as counterintuitive and and, and we talked about this last week. And I'm gonna talk about it a little bit here and then seg- segue into something that, that Saban talked about in his, his post-game presser, you know, last week it's because Arkansas has a, has a reputation of running the ball. And so we were so afraid of that reputation that we let them shred us with the passing game. If we said, look, let them run the ball, let's stop this passing. Well, we, we stopped teams running the nickel. And we said this in the podcast last week. Uh, but this week we actually sort of let go and embrace the talent that we have on the roster. Uh, Saban talked about, and I love how he has these little gadget names, uh, you know, for the, the the formations and sort of the players. And so he talked about, you know, we played a rabbit nickel, which was awesome. Uh, and and so th- just think about this in the context of all of the depth issues and sort of all of the circumstances, you know, that we're talking through. I wonder if he's been listening to the show, right? Because the deepest position on the team, and we've talked about this for, you know, the better part of October, the deepest position on the team is outside linebacker. And so Saban said, well, we went to this nickel, uh, we went to our, this rabbit nickel where we rotate in all these middle linebackers or all of these outside linebackers to keep them fresh and to keep them sort of, uh, you know, pressing and getting pressure on the quarterback. And, and what that does is, you know, that allows us to rotate our interior guys. And so we don't have the three down linemen out there the whole time. We're able to rotate. And so, you know, we're able to rotate more of the defensive uh, or sort of the defensive end slash outside linebacker because we have more of those sort of body types. We're able to take our three sort of 300 pounders and rotate them in the middle. So we we'll alleviate some pressure and pain point there. And Saban said this, and this is where I'm going to tie back to the Arkansas game. Saban said, I was a little bit nervous running this package because – I didn't think we could stop the run with it. I was concerned that we couldn't stop the run with it, but we were able to stop the run with it. And he wanted that speed on the field for the, for the mobile quarterback. And so think about sort of the wrestling in his mind of I've got to defend the mobile quarterback, but I can't let go of this rail that's old school football where I have to stack up to, you know, to stop sort of the pounding running game. And when he let go of that rail, it seems like on Saturday, the defense really just sort of unleashed and, and it just seemed to grow. And you think about 
holy cow, if we can do that for the sort of the evolution, the, the rest of the season, I'm not going to say our depth issues go away, but man, do they lighten up. Well, I think, I think that speaks to the personnel and I think that's adjusting to what you have. So that's kind of like when Blake Sims, you know, ends up winning the starting job. Yeah, but would would you say that he's been and look, I you know, who am I to say anything really about Saban? But do you maybe get the sense, especially when you contrast it to Arkansas and what happened last week? I mean, for, you know, how many yards passing did they have? Do you think maybe he was reluctant to sort of embrace the depth that's on the roster that really is at outside linebacker? Well, I think that well, my read on that is he was unsure of when he had to bring – okay, two things. Number one, Deron Payne is still a first-time starter this year, and Deron Payne has played against the run at the point of attack better than he expected. But the biggest thing is that Dalvin Tomlinson and Deron Payne have not had to shoulder the load of being a three-down player because of the freak, which is Jonathan Allen and Deshaun Hand, who can who can slide down, right, mm-hmm. and can take reps away from Dalvin and Duran. And so to your point, we sat there in this game and we were like, where's Duran Payne? Right. Is he playing solitaire on his laptop on the bench or what? Because he had been out of the game for a while. And – this speaks to Dalvin Tomlinson. You know, time to give him credit. Um, you know, we've obviously talked about how how good of a player he's he's turned into, but this kid, in my opinion, is the linchpin on that defensive line because you even said it. Right now, we got a lot of defensive ends, and we're running Tim Williams, and we're running Ryan Anderson, and we're running Deshaun Hand, and we got all these guys combinations of four guys with their hands in the dirt. But who seems to always be one of those four guys with his hands in the dirt? Right. 54. Yeah. And so if we could so maybe next week we need to count the damn number of of snaps that that Dalvin has compared to these other guys. And I bet you we find Dalvin Tomlinson will have 10 or 12 more snaps than any of those other starters on that defensive line. So what that tells me is is he has the strength. We knew he was an ox coming out of high school. I mean, I was so excited for him to get here. You know, and then he got hurt. Um, I think that he is a quicker, leaner, Ashawn Robinson and, and you know Jerron Reed. I mean, I mean they're they're obviously they're different players. But my point is, is he is providing something in the interior that I don't even think the two of them was able to provide. And so now, um, it's it's providing a it's providing that versatility for the other guys. And the fact of the matter, too, is that you got guys who are senior leaders who are, you know, fifth-year seniors in Jonathan Allen and Ryan Anderson and Tim Williams who have the versatility to, oh, stand up on this play, put your hand in the dirt in this play, line up on the right edge, line up on the left edge, line up over the center, uh, drop back next to, to freaking Reuben Foster. It's not fair, dude. I'm sorry. I think that this is a longer-winded answer for you, but I think the versatility of those three guys and then what Dalvin Tomlinson brings to the table, Saban just didn't know what he had. I, I mean that in a nice way. He he really didn't – you know, he, he had to see it to believe it. No, and that's fair. I, ju- I just think, though, when when you're willing to sort of 
when when you're willing to rotate more of the outside linebackers and really walk them up into defensive ends, you know, you're still going to have the Williams, you're still going to have the the Andersons, you're still going to have all of those guys, you know, rotating in. It gives them maybe a little bit of of wind. Uh, it allows you to rotate your interior linemen because you know, if, you know, face it, if we're going to play, you know, Allen, Tomlinson, and, and Payne, and then you rotate in, you know, Hand, then we've got four guys playing three positions. But but if you're going to rotate in some outside linebackers really at a, a defensive end to sort of contain the mobile quarterback and you can still, you know, be effective in stopping the run with that. Well, then you've got three and four guys to play one and two interior positions. And so you have a lot more, you know, flexibility and you can stack your depth a little differently. And I think that's a level of versatility. And look, we don't need to go out and run it for three quarters of the game, but maybe that becomes the default, you know, third and long. Maybe we can get away with that on some first and second downs too and sort of strategically find an opportunity where we can rest some guys. So I just I just salute to that as an opportunity uh, to really add some life to, uh, you know, to our defense. No, it, that's true. And it also helps when you get up on these teams early and you, you take away their run. Right, all of, you, all you, of kinda, you kind yeah, of dictate, all, right? Yeah, all of all of that helps too. All of and, that helps too. And so all of that, all of that has been a factor. Now, also to your point, uh, I like seeing Rashawn Evans get a lot more run in this game. Yep, um, because you know things happen, like when Reuben Foster went down, and we talked about that last week. So while I was very glad that Reuben was back, I'm glad Rashawn got a lot of uh, playing time. Um, and he can know, be effective in sort of that walk up outside linebacker too. I know we've played him inside, but, but, you know, he can be effective in that because he's got the get off that, to, you know, to, to help contain and to chase down, uh, you know, quarterback in the pocket. No, absolutely. And, you know, at some point I'd like to see him grow into that role of being trusted to be the, the nickel line, excuse me, the, the dime linebacker when they, when they bring in Hootie right, um, right now, Ruben is trusted to, to do that. And, and obviously with the additional, you know, pounds that he dropped in the offseason, you know, he's obviously, you know, much more comfortable uh, across the middle than he was before. Um, but I look forward before the end of the season uh, to giving Ruben a little breather uh, on a few third and 15 plays and, and letting Rashawn, uh, let Rashawn Evans stand beside Eddie uh, or Ronnie and uh, and man the middle of the defense. Yeah. You know, can, can you just could we just pause for a minute and think about it was not that long ago. It certainly didn't feel like, you know, it's been that long ago where we literally on this show because of the the way that he was essentially injuring himself with the way that he was tackling that we were starting to wonder if uh if Reuben Foster was going to play himself out of football uh because you know, the reports were that he literally was knocking himself out at practice. Well, you can't do that. You know, you, that's unsustainable. And so we literally, you know, we're asking, is he going to play himself out of the game if he doesn't make these adjustments? And so juxtapose that to where he is now. That is pretty stinking amazing. No, absolutely. Um, how did you uh, – did you like seeing uh, Tony Brown? I noticed we didn't bring in um, – we didn't bring in uh, Thompson until very late. We didn't see Carter at all. Um, yeah. Did you – I mean, 
What do you think about that? We 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 you know what do you think about seeing Brown you know more and more and and no Carter? Are you surprised you didn't see Carter in there at all? Uh, you can say yes and no. I mean, you could say a little bit, you know, yes because you know Carter came in, you know, earlier in the season. Uh, you know, there was a play I can't remember. We talked about it on the on the show. I think he even got a mini game ball for it, where you know where he came in, uh, you know, for someone getting you know dinged up and 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 played well. Well. And so you could say, well, why is he not getting more run? And that's a legitimate question. I mean, if we've already burned the red shirt, then why not sort of give him some more run? And and, and I wouldn't argue with that. It's a fair question. But you also kind of the other side of that coin is, uh, you know, the first four game of the first four you know games of the year, Tony Brown was on uh, was suspended and couldn't play. And so you had to go somewhere, um, you know, because we didn't have the two guys that left, right? And so you got to go somewhere. And so now you can actually come back. Uh, to Tony Brown, and, and you can say, well, he is a junior, and he has been around, you know, a lot longer, and so do I want a junior uh, out there versus, you know, a, a true freshman, and, uh, you know, situationally, you get different answers there, but I think, you know, if, if I'm comparing those two guys, then, you know, probably I, I probably I do want Tony out there, because he's got more experience in the system, and, and um, you know, I, I, that's kind of my thought on that. No, I'm with you. Um, I will say because the margin got as big as it did, as quickly as it did, uh, this is the first time all season that we have seen Keith Holcomb and Rashawn yep. Evans in there together. Yep. Um, I enjoyed seeing no Sean Deion Hamilton late in the game or Reuben Foster and seeing both of those guys in there to have to learn to play together uh, against SEC caliber opponents. Um, I also enjoyed seeing Christian Miller and Anthony Jennings Yep. Uh, in there and no Tim Williams and Ryan Anderson. Yeah, so I, I enjoyed yeah. seeing those four guys of the future uh, get some good playing time in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And, and, and that's not a knock on those guys because I like, you know, all four of them, but I like also developing, you know, depth and youth as well. And I think that's what you're saying. No, absolutely. It was just nice to see us be able to run all those kind of guys in there against a caliber opponent like Tennessee. Right. What Anything else? Uh, yeah, I was trying to say I don't have anything else. Give me your uh, give me your game ball. You know, I'm I'm gonna. This is not my mini game ball, but I'm gonna tip the tip the cap to to Ronnie Harrison. You know, obviously he had a he had a big six, uh, a pick six, and I you know I kind of like the way he talked about it. You know, he said you know look, something I saw on film as soon as as soon as they lined up and as soon as you know their kind of running back went you know that way. Um, I had a pretty good idea of what they were going to do. And so I just stepped in front of the ball and he said, he said it felt like he was throwing it right to me. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what was nice about that is um, to his credit too, is he gave his coach some love. Yeah. And so, you know, his, his coach told them as they were going out on the field, look for this play. Right. So not only had they been prepared in film, but literally they were coached up for that as they uh, started that series, which I thought was, you know, great timing on, on the defense coordinator's part. Yeah. I really like to hear that because it just speaks to the level of preparation uh, that the team gets, you know, it's not, Oh, they just got lucky and they were in the right place. No, no, no. That had nothing to do with it. That's film study. That's preparation. I really like hearing that. And then, you know, even to sort of, you know, Hey, watch this play on this sort of this drive. Um, you know, that says that a lot of a lot of what Alabama is doing and, you know, news alert, right? A lot of what Alabama is doing is sustainable. Uh, it's not whimsical. It's not accidental. And that's, you know, a lot of that we kind of know, but it's still fun to still hear it. 
No, absolutely. Listen, before you do the mini game ball, I do have something else I want to mention really quickly. Uh, just, just two things. Number one, um, it's interesting to me in Kamara's stat line on the game, he had eight carries for 26 yards. His longest carry of the day was eight yards. I found it interesting that that was their first play of the game. Yeah. So that, 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 was, that was interesting to me that, that you know, one of their longest runs, his longest run of the game uh, came on the very first play from scrimmage. And then yeah. the other thing that I probably should have mentioned at the beginning of the defensive side is how we just took Dobbs out of the game early with our pressure on third and long. Yes. And we talked about this during the game. On those first couple thirds and longs, when he got pressured – and didn't pick the pressure up quick enough, and next thing you know, he's got these big grown men all over him. I think from that point in the game, it was like I was watching the Alabama-Michigan kickoff classic uh, in Dallas. Yep, um, He was gun-shy from then on. He, he was checked out then. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, no one drilled him and he took a big hit or whatever, but, but he, he was off his game about halfway through the first quarter. No, he was, and and you know, and, and we could you know break this down, but you know, Tim Williams really getting after, uh, you know, after that right tackle. I mean, just abusing that right tackle. I mean, he beat him, you know, outside, and then you know came back to the inside and just beat him like a drum. And and why they didn't, why they didn't put a tight end there or give him any type of, of support? They Same absolutely with a running back or something, something right. And they absolutely, you know, did nothing. And 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 so, you know, sort of the first third and long they had, it was like third and 13 or whatever it is. You know, Tim Williams beat, you know, beat the the tackle and then just and then just slung, you know, Dobbs down. And so it was a, you know, a fourth and long. They had the punt. On the the very next series, uh, it was a quick third and long, and he beat the tackle the other way. And 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 Williams must have just lined up and said, Well, I've already got you beat because, you know, I is what I did last time, and you're leaning that way, and so now I'm going to kind of do the opposite, and I'm going to beat you. And and it was just a circumstance that Jonathan Allen was back there too, and Jonathan, you know, got tackled with the sack, but they were both back there, and we kidded about, you know, they were stacking up the tackles in the backfield like Cordwood because they both just, like, beat their man but took him in, into the backfield, and and then they got another, you know, another sack. And then I think the next, the next possession – uh, Tennessee got a third and third and three, and they ran a nice little pick route. It was really good, you know, play con- conception, uh, and they got the first down. But just like, you know, seconds later, they were in another third and long, and uh, you know, it seemed like we got another sack then. And and so every time they got in third and long, he just, you know, he he just couldn't make a play. And and you know, of course, the Alabama defenders were there, and it doesn't take long for that to really rattle a quarterback. And so. Um, you know, he's, you know, especially, especially when the offensive line is already dinged up. And so you maybe have questions about that kind of already. And, and it's coming to fruition that we can't block them and they're going to be in my grill all day long. Uh, he seemed to have a little, uh, who was it? Jordan Jefferson. Uh, yes. you know, I, I think, you know, I think we, I think we rung his bell a couple of times. Uh, literally or figuratively, and that that kind of set him off. But but still, Dobbs seemed to have a little happy feet because he knew that uh, you know that he was going to have a dance partner in the backfield. No, absolutely, and they did. They started off the game. Kamara had an eight yard carry. Hurd had a seven yard carry. You know that tight end Wolf had a big sixteen yard play. And so their first three plays of the game, 
they're at our 40, uh, 42 yard line. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, wow, you know, they're bringing a good package in. Yeah. Well, to your point, after those first three plays, um, the next third down is a third and 13 sack for uh, Tim Williams. The very next play, third and 17 sack for Jonathan Allen. The very next time is his interception to Ronnie Harrison. There you go. And so, so that is, um, I beg your pardon, I stand corrected. The next time was third and nine sacked by Reuben Foster and okay. then Ronnie Harrison. So to okay. your point, three third and long set up that pick for Ronnie Harrison. Yeah. Yeah. Give me, give me your mini game ball, man. What do you, what do you, what do you, what, there's a lot to choose from who you want to pick here. Man, I am just in love with this rabbit nickel and what I think it can do for our depth on defense. So <laughs> I'm pulling a Tommy and I'm and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna deflate or overinflate or whatever this uh this mini game ball, but I am giving <laughs> I mean are you this giving is something the rabbit nickel? Are you coining a new phrase, the rabbit nickel? I, no, 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 that's Saban. That's Saban called it that. All right. Uh but I'm gonna do something that you've never done. Okay. Uh, for all the ways you've twisted up the mini game ball, I'm giving my mini game ball to the rabbit nickel. Yeah, I thought you were going to go there when you said that. Okay. All right. That's cool. That's all good, man. You you can try to be unique if you want to. Well, um, there there's there's lots of guys that can get this. There's lots of headliner guys. Yeah. We we've obviously you know I've I've talked a lot about Tomlinson who who obviously finished very high up on the stat sheet. Um, you know, I'm going to give this guy, you know, this is a guy who hasn't made a huge contribution yet, but right now he's sure. he's that unsung guy that is not doing anything to, you know, to to worry you. Um and so I'm going to give it to Anthony Averick. You know, he he yeah. finished with he finished with four solos in the game. Um all he did was be steady and that's kind of all he's got to be because hopefully Minka and Marlon are going to are going to start with with their best. And so, um, you know, he's he seems to be getting more experience, getting more comfort level being out there. Uh, as you said earlier, there was lots of times that they would they would they would motion uh, the uh, the single wide receiver over to his side that was already uh, that already had two wide, and they would try to confuse them. He would sit there with Minka and Marlin. They didn't seem confused. They would very quickly just play multiple chairs and and move to who they needed to cover, and um, he he looked comfortable doing so, and so I hope that continues. Yeah, absolutely, I I agree with that, and and uh, and and just everything you said there. I think that when you watch a game, he and and look, not every player is this way, but when you watch a game and you don't hear his name, it's like we talked about Jonah. You didn't hear his name, and so meant uh, that he had a good game. You know, the less you hear Anthony Averett, his name called, the better the better he has played. For and, what we need from him, right? And that's right. not a knock on him. For what no. we need from him, I mean, obviously if we're hearing from him, he's had a pick, but if we're not hearing from him, like you said, that's okay too. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean no innuendo by right. that. I'm not, right. you know, I'm no. not trying to be subversive sure. in any, any sort of way. I just think, you know, that – and you think about that a lot at kind of cornerbacks, but – you know, Humphrey's a little more of a, you know, sort of a glamour type player. And, and Minka, in, in his role, he has the opportunity to be as well. And so the other corner is just, you know, quiet guy over there is, uh, you know, he's not giving up any plays. And so we never hear his name, but, you know, they're not completing any passes that way either. So that's that's what you look for. Um, 
you know, dude's going to get a shot at, in the league. I'm, you know, I'm not going to predict a whole lot over that, but, you know, because I just don't know. But, you know, he is earning himself a, a shot. And, and uh, you know, we could do a whole thing about, you know, Maurice Smith. Is he going to get the same shot that Averett will in the league because, you know, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, no, I'm with you. No, I'm with you. Well, well, let's let's flip the field to special teams. Um, you know, early in this game, you know, Hurts uh, takes a big sack. He should have thrown the ball away. They've got a little momentum. They've kind of flipped the field. You know, here we are at our thirty-four uh, yard line, fourth and seven, and and J.K. just nails it sixty-two yards yeah. uh, and takes Kamara back to the four. And obviously, you know, he had a nice return. Um, Obviously, a you know great start for J.K. Finished with four punts for you know a boring two hundred yards, but I um, not a whole lot. You know we're, we're used to seeing that from J.K. Uh, but I was very concerned at how we seem to there 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 seemed to be something in film that Tennessee saw running to the right, uh, both on kickoff returns and punt returns, and and they had a lot of success early in the game and. And and tell the listeners kind of what we saw of how we kind of adjusted to that. Yeah, you know they did definitely see something there and had, and had a lot of success. And and we kind of altered up how we how we were kicking and and you know typically typically and and I say you know all of last season and and this season as well. You know we've in during kickoffs we've been kicking to um, you know to the left side uh, left side of the field. And almost, you know, purposely trying to pin, you know, use the sideline as, as uh, you know, to kind of help tackle and and uh, limit the field that we have to sort of cover. And, and even, this, even bringing our guys over, right? Even yeah. Kind of bringing and, our guys over. and, you know, we kicked more to the right uh, this time. And I don't know. I'd have to go back and maybe watch that. I mean, I, I don't want to say we were doing it accidental because you can't miss that poorly. We had to have been doing it kind of intentionally. But then Tennessee was having some success running the ball, uh, you know, on on the kickoff returns, and so I don't I don't know if maybe we shouldn't revert it back to to what we've been doing. So we did something different, and the team had a little more success. You know, the opponent had a little more success. So and I don't know that I liked what I saw, but you know, that's something that uh, you know you know they get paid to coach and and uh, and do their jobs as well. I think they saw something on us, and we tried to over adjust it. I think we should have just you know kept doing what we do. Well, I, I I did you know my my take on us starting to starting to kick the ball to the uh, on kickoff starting to kick the ball to the to the right. Um, they only had one deep guy back, and he was in the end zone to the left. And their their guy to the right was up, you know, cheating up to like the ten or fifteen yard line. And so because we kept scoring so much, you know, we had so many opportunities to kick the ball off, and you know there were numerous times that we kicked the ball. Uh, three or four, and we kicked it over the guy's head who was cheating at the 15-yard line, and we just let the the ball roll, you know, get us that touchback instead of letting them return the ball. And and it wasn't until very late in the game that Tennessee finally dropped that guy back and said, we're, we're not going to let you do that anymore. Right, right. You know, we had eight kickoffs, and and four of them went for, for touchbacks, and so we had some shorter kicks too. And, um, you know, that was – you know, look, <laughs> it seems like – you know, it wasn't that long ago where four four touchbacks in the season would have been really nice, and that's that's not being too facetious. 
uh, you know, so four in a game, I guess I can't complain, but uh, we had some shorter kicks. I don't know. We just seem, we seem to be, you know, it just wasn't as flawless there as, as we've seen before. So uh, I'm with you now. Talk about Adam Griffith on the uh, field goal. You know, it's disappointing. That's disappointing for two reasons. Um, you know, maybe three reasons. I mean, you want the guy to make it and it's 37 yarder and, and, you know, for his just own sort of self-gratification, you want him to make that kick. Uh, you want him to make it and build up confidence because we may need a kick at some point. Uh, and then and then the very, very just selfish reason, uh, man, 52 sounds really good. I would have loved to have been over 50. And had he made that kick, we would have been. Well, and and you're right, and um, it you know hanging fifty on them would have been a nice thing, and and I just wanted you to speak to it because you know here's that you know he had he had came in he came into that uh, attempt eight of eleven, and you know right. that's that's obviously good, uh, but here's a thirty seven yarder, and um, and he missed it pretty good, and so uh, you know as as we try to be straight on the show, um, definite little. Um, Let's just say the special teams didn't get an A grade overall in this game outside of J.K. Scott. Well, I'm I'm giving an A to open field Eddie too. I mean, he had that punt, that uh, 79 yard punt return. Uh, I still just enjoy watching. If you could put him in the open field, like on a, on a loop, I, I I would be mesmerized for you know probably a longer amount of time than I should admit to. Well, um, well, definitely. Uh, his ability to to see the field and and just the vision he shows is is awesome. Um, tell me tell me about this Texas A and M team, man. We you know we we talked last time about you know Tennessee obviously has you know was able to turn the ball over seven times and and still almost win this game. What kind of team is this that's going to show up? Is this a team that uh, are they as good as advertised, or or is this a team that that uh, that might be a little bit overrated? You know, I think they might be overrated, and I really, I, I'm really cautious. You know, in saying I know that you don't like to say that, man. But, but I d- no, I don't. I don't, and I don't want to. I don't. What it is though? What's that? Isn't that what this is though? I think that it is, uh, and I hate to sound, you know, you know, kind of disrespectful, but 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 they're number six, and that just seems that just seems really high, and I get that sort of a funky you know, sort of a, even a funky college football season, how, you know, who, who are sort of the Uber elites uh, in college football. And, you know, and once you get past, you know, you know, Alabama and, and Ohio state, and, you know, if you want to stretch a, just a little bit and say Washington, the way they've been playing, um, who else is sort of there in that, in that Uber elite. And, and so somebody has got to be number six. And so I guess if you're in sec and you're undefeated, then, you know, that qualifies. I mean, heck, with Tennessee was number nine. Uh, and so, you know, it kind of it is what it is. But when you look at kind of their metrics, and you and I were even just talking metrics, you know, earlier today. And so, you know, both teams, you know, average, you know, 40-some-odd points. And you think, oh, yeah, that's kind of an even matchup. But if you look at, you know, on defense, they're ranked number 98 in total defense, and they're giving up 437 yards. And, you know, we're ranked – you know, much higher than that, single digits. And, uh, you know, we're giving up in, in the 200s. And you say, you know, that's that's a that's an interesting sort of differential in those stats that, you know, on defense, one is so much clearly better than the other. But a point scored, you know, they're similar. And so you think, well, something's going to give, right? I mean, we're not going to give up 
45 points, are we? Or 200 yards is a lot, right? That's, how, yeah. that's a lot on the, on the defensive side of the ball. Right. Or, or are we going to hold them to 200 yards? And, and, you know, what do you get out of that? And so um, I, do, I do think that uh, I, I do think they're overranked. I do think that, uh, I mean, they've got some they've got some really good talent. They've got a lot. They've got a, a, a nice collection of talent. You know, I really like Miles Garrett. He's been dinged up. Uh, I think that, you know, if if they use him sort of judiciously and then coming off the bye week, that he can give Cam some, some trouble. And we've talked about that with, with the Burnett kid. Uh, I like their sort of collection of wide receivers. They seem to have one of every type. Uh, they've got the Ricky Jones, the Seals Jones, which is just a 240-pounder, you know, almost a, almost a tight end. He's just so big. And they've got, you know, Josh Reynolds, who's – who's more of a speedster, uh, more of a tall speedster, but then they've got Christian Kirk and Speedy Cole, uh, Speedy Noel, who are who are kind of the smaller, more of sort of water bug type, type guys. They, they seem to have one of every type. Uh, and so, you know, that's something that our you know, keep our secondary busy. Um, their quarterback, you know, he's a good runner, uh, but he's, he's maybe an average passer. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think they've got a lot of talent, but I just think the way they sort of come together and mesh together, they might be um, and they're number six rank. So, but they just to me, for my money, um, the sum of the parts, you know, the whole is not as great as the sum of the parts. Well, and this is not meant disrespectful when I said overrated, right? I mean, you are what you are as a team, right? And it's not their fault that they're being ranked number six. And to their credit, they're. No, they're did you just tease me to make tease me out to make me say bad things about them? No, man. It's just. I mean, it's not. I mean, it is what it is, right? They're not the ones that decide the rankings, right? right. The coaches don't care about the rankings. Um, I'm just saying that you know this is a team that when you, okay, when we said Tennessee. Okay, coming into that game, you turn the ball over seven times at a top 10 team, SEC team, and you almost win the game. Well, guess what? Shame on Texas A&M, right? Because if a team gives us the ball seven times, we better not have to win in overtime against an SEC opponent who gives us the ball seven times is what I'm saying. Yeah. And so, and so, and so to your point, when you talk about the 40 points a game, well, what is it, right? Is that the 67 points you put up on Prairie View uh, at home? Um, and that balances out with the 24 points that you did at South Carolina. You get what right. I'm saying before the Tennessee game? Right. And so all I'm saying is, is what team is this? Is this a team that will, hell, we could hang 67 on Prairie View if, if Saban would let us, but he's sure. not going to ever let us. And so you look at a South Carolina team at South Carolina on the road and, and they win 24 to 13 is what I'm saying. Right. And so I just think that this is a team that we match up very well against. Uh, this is a team that, given what we just got through saying on this show about the versatility with our defensive personnel and our and our going to a dime where we've got six cornerbacks on the field, they're not going to know what freaking hit them. They don't play with their four wides. They don't have a tight end in their, in their primary – you know, main formation. They 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 kind of show a four wide look with their personnel. Well, they can create mismatches all over the field against teams like Tennessee that lost the players that they lost with two DBs in the secondary. But with our current healthy unit, and we run six DB six cornerbacks in the dime, dude, they're not going to know what hit them. 
Um, this is not going to be 59 to nothing like it was two years ago in Bryant-Denny. Um, but we're going to see fans leaving in the third quarter that we're going to say, why are y'all leaving? And, um, you know, give us your season tickets uh, passes back. Um, you know, this this is not going to be 49-10. Um, but, you know, I, I think we're going to see, you know, a, a 41-17 game. It's still going to be a three-score football game. Yeah, you know, I – I look at just I, I hear what you're saying, and I continue to kind of look at some of their parts, and I say I can see where, I see where situationally they can give us trouble. I mean, they've got a thumper at at the safety position, and and like I said, I do like some of their quarterbacks, and they do have a mobile, uh, or some of their receivers, and they do have you know kind of a mobile quarterback. You know, I think, and you and I talked about this. You know, for all, every time, every time the media says, well, you know, Trevor Knight has a win against Saban. Every time I hear that, I think that, that they have money on the game because every time you kind of rattle Saban's cage, um, he doesn't he doesn't respond well, and uh, and Trevor Knight, by no fault of his own, is being used uh, by a third party media to sort of rattle rattle uh, Saban's cage, and so I, th- I think that you know I think there's going to be something to that. I've you know look, I'm suddenly in love with this rabbit nickel because. And it's not just because, oh, it's new and shiny, but it's because it answers some of the questions we've been talking about this season uh, at, at sort of depth, uh, at, at just critical positions. And the reason that they deployed it, the reason the coaching staff deployed it was to help against mobile quarterbacks. And, you know, they even said, hey, we use this in the second half, you know, against Clemson, you know, in the championship game. And you say, well, one of the weapons that A&M has is, is this mobile quarterback. And so you say, well, we're going to run this sort of rabbit nickel um, and then, you know, obviously kind of have a nickel on top of that. Then then you might start to really be effective at taking away a lot of what A&M has to offer their mobile quarterback because you're stopping that with speed up front. And, and you've got a nickel on top of that uh, and potentially a dime on top of that because you just take a linebacker out. Um, and then and then you've got a lot of sort of protective uh you know, in, in the secondary. So I, I'm not as, I mean, look, I've got 31 to 13 written down. And so, you know, you're like just a little bit level, you know, kind of a level, level up from that. But, you know, I'll look at there. I, I do this, right. We sat down, a, we sat down a couple of years, I guess it was last year. And we were looking at the stat book on uh, Michigan state. And we said, Michigan state shouldn't even share the field with us because of what they're ranked on defense and what they're ranked at, at these at these different positions. And and that's just a metric based look at it. It's not have to be hundred percent, but it definitely I've not seen it be glaringly wrong either. And when I see them ranked, you know, 98 on total defense, and then you know you talk about situations where maybe their their point total has has kind of been padded, you know, potentially. Uh, and then, you know, an overtime game against Tennessee, which gives you more opportunity to, to score. And over game, overtime games tend to have inflated scores because it's sort of that fast break style of play. Um, I think we have the opportunity to and, – and look, a week ago I wouldn't have said this, but I think we have the opportunity to, to, to really make a show of this. And so I, I think 31-13 is, is probably where I feel comfortable. I'm glad I'm getting you a little more bullish on this team, man, with these uh, score differentials. No, I think what I saw Saturday and then and then sort of digesting that and, and kind of hearing, you know, different different things about it. I, I I look, I think I think this team 
they they need to not get in their own way. Um, this is a championship team. This Alabama team is a championship team, and it's it's almost stupid cliche to say the only team that can beat them is 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 themselves because that that's just a blowhard kind of comment for someone who wants to sound like they're saying something bold but not really put themselves their, themselves on the line. At the same time, there's a little bit of truth to it. And so, if this team, if this team can get their head right and keep their head right, then then it is it is it is just days. Then then all we need to do is tick off days on the calendar calendar until we get to championship number seventeen. So uh, when so when I said a few weeks ago that that this is done, and after the Ole Miss game, and you thought I was crazy, <laughs> you're you're starting to agree with me a little bit. I've seen more from this team since then. Okay, so that was a pretty good call on my part after the Ole Miss game. This has been another – I don't know. I mean, what do you want me to say? <laughs> no, I'm just simply saying, man, Ole Miss was our toughest team on this on this uh, schedule. Uh, their their ones were, you know, closer to our ones, and yeah. their twos were, you know it, – it was their – they were the only team on the schedule whose ones matched up well with our ones. And I just don't think other teams have it. Yeah. And so, and so, I hope I'm right, and so I hope I can uh, brag about it when the season's over. Yeah. No, I hope so. I hope I hope you're right. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit. Um, uh, I, hey, I, and and this is something we do. Uh, we haven't done we haven't done it as often as 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 we should have. I don't think we've done it this season. I mean, obviously, we always like to think th- uh, say thanks. Uh, you know, to the listeners. And so I just happened to jump out on the, on the iTunes and I haven't done this since last season. Uh, and, you know, just to see if we've gotten any more reviews or comments and stuff. And, and um, you know, I think we had someone, you know, give us a five-star review and kind of ask where the next show was. And, and, uh, and then we had some guy, you know, at some point give us a review and say, well, they're just a Homer fans. And so, you know, whatever. Uh, but, uh, but we just, in fact, when we're recording this, so just over the weekend, we had uh, a review and uh, it's it's uh, it's B uh, G Bulmer, and um, you know gave us a five star review. The only Alabama football podcast to listen to. I'm not going to read all of it, but uh, you know he says, "Hey, this is the best Alabama football cast uh, football podcast out there." Uh, I really enjoyed every week. You understand so much more about the team and players when you listen to the podcast. Uh, you know he wants us to be a little more positive, maybe on the team sometimes, and and uh, and we understand that. Um, and then I, I kind of like, he says, you know, Hey, <laughs> not always, uh, a good podcast for children in the car. And, and so I respect that. I know that, uh, you and I both have kids. And so we, you know, we are intentional about that, but sometimes when it's just you and I talking, um, you know, we, we, we let it fly sometimes. And so we probably need to be more cognizant of that, but bottom line is, Hey, we appreciate the review. We very much appreciate you listening. And, uh, you know, if you're out there listening, uh, we would love nothing more for uh, you to check us out on on iTunes and subscribe, and uh, you know leave us an authentic review if if uh, that's what you feel comfortable doing. And we'll try to read them out on the air and, and kind of give some love back to uh, uh, some listener appreciation. So um, that's what I got. Uh, that's what I want to close it out with. I appreciate uh, the review. I know I know we both do. We appreciate the listeners. And uh, with that, uh, Tom, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, 
or just a shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. 